the splendor of a king clothed in majesty let all the earth rejoice all the earth rejoice he wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide it trembles at his voice it trembles at his voice how great is our god Good morning. It is great to see everyone here this morning. I'm Phil Jackson, one of the elders here at Preston Crest. We want to remind everyone to check in. You'll see that number behind me, 469-976-5331. You can type check into that and we'll get a record of your time here with us this morning. If you're a first-time visitor, I ask that you take one of those pew cards in the back uh, of, of the pews and uh, fill that out, take it back to our information center, and we have a special gift for you. We are so pleased that you are here to worship with us this morning. Also, just a, a quick reminder uh, to our members, you'll see information in the, in the bulletin, it's on the webpage about purpose cards. Uh, beginning of the year is a great time for you to think about your giving, uh, for the year and the purpose cards is a great way for you to kind of memorialize uh, uh, your thinking about what you will contribute and so there's the process that is explained uh, for the purpose cards that's very helpful to the church I find it more helpful uh, to you individually as you make that commitment to what you are going to be giving to the Lord and to the, his church Hear the words of the Lord from Psalms 147. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you are great. As we are gathered here in your presence, we can see, hear, and just feel your greatness. That's why we gather. That's why we sing praises. That's why we study your scriptures. That's why we come to you in prayer. We see your we can see your greatness in nature all around us. We see glimpses of who you are. And we thank you for the many blessings you have given us. We are humbled by how you care for us. Even when we are down, you build us up. You heal us in the most important ways. You bring peace to our soul, joy to our spirit, and hope for a life everlasting with you. You provide us with a family of believers that we can journey with as we draw closer to you each day. 
following the direction of your son. Oh, how great is our God. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Good morning, church. We're glad that you are here with us today. I'm going to let a few people walk in before I have everybody stand and then they can't find a seat. So let's go ahead and start singing and then we'll stand after they sit. <clears throat> oh Lord my God, in
As we move into our time of communion, Jacob Hawk is going to lead our thoughts. Let's sing, Christ, we do all adore thee. Life has an interesting way of teaching us some really important lessons and sometimes lessons that are hard to learn. Yesterday, I went and played a round of golf. And I've always thought myself to be a fairly decent golfer. But yesterday, I got paired up with a very nice older gentleman in his late 70s, double my age, and he beat me by 12 strokes while we were playing golf. And I found out that on Tuesday, the day after tomorrow, he's having cataract surgery. (laughs) So a gentleman who is double my age, who is half blind, beat me by 12 strokes on the golf course and as humiliating as that was on the 11th hole he went on to ask me if I would like for him to give me some advice on my golf swing (laughs) and it was at that moment that I really realized that my golf game had hit an all new level of low when you get beat by 12 strokes by someone double your age who's half blind your golf game is at a really pathetic level. But while we were playing golf, I noticed something about him that I thought was fascinating. Anytime he would be on the green to putt, he wouldn't look at his golf ball. He just looked at the hole. He looked at the cup where the pin was. Wouldn't look at his golf ball. He'd look at the hole and move the golf club and putt the ball toward the hole. And I asked him about the fourth time he did that. I said, are you doing that on purpose? He said, yes. And I asked him why. He said, well, with my cataracts, when I look down at the golf ball, 
everything's blurry. I can't see clearly. But if I would just look at the hole, if I look at the cup, if I look at the pen, where I know I want the ball to go, I don't have any distractions. This morning as we gather together, we come in today as a family with many different distractions, many different concerns, many different worries. You may have come in today with worries about your family, with relationship struggles, problems at work, relationships that have been torn apart, You may be worried about your health. You may be worried about your family's health. But when we gather together around the Lord's table, and when we focus our eyes on the cross, when we focus our eyes on the empty tomb, the place where we want to go, all of those distractions, for just a moment... For just a moment, they disappear. And we can see clearly. Paul phrased it this way, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins. That he was buried And that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. That's the image of our faith. You will always have distractions in life. But if we can simply focus on the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Savior, everything, everything becomes clear. Father, we're grateful this morning that we can focus on the death of your son, on the fact that he was buried, but Father, most importantly, on the third day, just as he promised he would, he defeated death so that we can as well. Father, thank you for his body that was nailed to the beams. Thank you for his willingness to suffer for us. And we take this bread in remembrance of him, and we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Father, we remember the blood of your Son. Father, we thank you for every drop 
that fell to the ground. Father, we know in your blood there is forgiveness. We know in your blood there is power. We know in your blood there is hope. And Father, in your blood, you unite us all. Father, thank you for this gift. Thank you for this clarity. Father, give us the strength and the discipline to keep our eyes on you, where everything makes sense, where everything is clear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to Preston Crest. We are so glad that you're here. I have a little bit of PTSD hearing that song, and I'm going to tell you why. When I was probably 12 years old, for the very first time, I had the honor of waiting on the Lord's table. 
right? You remember the old school, you'd like walk in, you'd get up front, there'd be a line of guys with the implements, and then you'd say a prayer. And so we did the prayer over the bread, and we went and served. I forgot about the cup. I went and sat down by my mom. We were singing this song, and the other guys were standing up front, and my mom was like, get back up there. So I did the walk of shame while that song was being sung. So beautiful song, bad memories. We are glad that you're here. If you want to, if you're looking for a place to belong, this is a great church family. We've got space for you. We would love to welcome you in to this family. Talk to us about that if you want to become a member here at Preston Crest. If you want to give this morning, you're part of this church and you want to give, uh, the usual suspects, right? You can give through the website. You can give through church teams. You can also give by dropping your check or your money in the box out in the foyer. Thank you for your generosity. It supports all kinds of ministries, some of which we don't even see. Uh, today we're going to talk about the baptistry ministry in a video here in just a moment. Uh, there are people that take care of that baptistry that make sure that we have nice clean towels up there, baptistry uh, garments and everything like that. It's a little bit of work, and I want that ministry to have to work a lot more this year. I want to put some miles on this baptistry this year and see many people come to Jesus. So let's pray together now. God, thank you for this ministry, for those folks uh, that take care of this baptistry where we welcome new brothers and sisters into your family. I pray, God, that you will bless those volunteers and that you will bless the hearts of seekers, searchers all around the city of Dallas, that they can come and find a home here at Preston Crest and give their lives to Christ here in this church. God, bless the ministries of this church. All of it is for your glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, church. My name is Brian Kraft, and I'm a deacon, and I lead the baptistry ministry here at Preston Crest. In Mark 16, 16, Jesus exclaims that whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. These eight simple words provide a roadmap on how to eternally walk with Jesus. I believe our baptistry team models this directive from Christ. The words spoken in Mark 16, 16 provide continued motivation for my fellow team members as we perform our duties throughout the year. The work provided by our team includes assisting our new brothers and sisters in Christ during the actual act of baptism, ensuring that they have their first Bible, and coordinating their first communion with the leadership of this church. Your support provides our team with the ability to maintain and upgrade our various needs throughout the year. Thank you, Preston Crest, for your generosity. Before we dismiss our kids to Children's Church, a couple of announcements. Our fajita fundraiser is coming up. Check the bulletin. Check online for that. It is going to be Sunday, February 26th. It's always a fun time. Supports our youth group and all the work that they do uh, throughout the summer and the year. $10 for adults, 5 for kids in the fellowship hall. If you can't make it, you can still make a donation to send them on their way, and they do great work. Those are transformative experiences. I'm sure many of you have been on a trip like that, either with our youth group or when you were youthful yourself. And so uh, let's make sure we support them in that on Sunday, February 26th. Next Sunday, I'm sorry, the next trip to Huntsville in the prison's ministry is Sunday, March 5th. Um, I believe the deadline is tomorrow, uh, Monday, February 20th to RSVP. So if you intend to go on that, please make sure and RSVP for that. All right, let's stand as we send our kids to children's worship and let's sing an old one. There is beyond the edge of 
Yes, 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 yes. By the way, I, we have people at Preston Crest from all sorts of Christian backgrounds and different traditions, and we are glad that you're here. And this is home to all of us here uh, as we try to be simply Christians and follow the Lord together. But I will say this. There is a litmus test. I can know if you were born and raised Church of Christ, if you know the number of that song in the old songbook, number 728 See? And some of you are like, that is weird. Yeah, they don't know the number of any other song. Trust me, they don't. But they know Our God is Alive, 728B. And I think it was glued in the back of the book or something. It was weird. I don't remember other A, Bs, and Cs, but that one was 728B. An oldie but a goodie. I'm glad you guys came to sing this morning. Um, so, hey, coming up, and you're going to hear a lot more about this uh, next week in the near future. But we have the annual Preston Crest Campout. And some of you guys, a lot of you guys, have great memories that you've made as a family at the campout. And uh, you're going to hear more about that April 21 to 23. There are going to be t-shirts this year. And space is limited. I'm sure you will hear about that as well. There are only a certain number of campouts. So you guys, you need space for that camper out there? Actually, you're going to be in Israel with me. <laughs> so you probably won't make it. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a great, a great time out there by Lake Tawakani. Today we are finishing up our Walking in Wisdom series. And there is one very simple idea. The big idea today is 
to desire wisdom. In all areas of your life, to crave it, to want it, to thirst for it, the Proverbs say there is a blessing for you if you will prize it. What did people do for a prize? Athletes train for a prize, eat differently for the prize. And the Proverbs say in Proverbs 4, 8, if you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. And so we want to crave it, prize it, treasure it, embrace it. Read that with me if you would. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. Will you embrace wisdom in your life? So that's the point this morning. We can all go home, prize wisdom, you will be rewarded. But I do have a little bit more to say, so don't go home just quite yet. Um, But we make it, we desire it, we cultivate it, we seek it. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. There are lots of things that we pray for, good things that we pray for, but we do not know if God in his wisdom will answer those prayers affirmatively, this prayer for wisdom, God make me wise, according to the first chapter of James, is a prayer that God will answer if you pray it. Ask for wisdom and it will be given to you. Now before we go any further, I was thinking about this this week. We've done a whole series on wisdom and I haven't mentioned the name Solomon. King Solomon, anybody here growing up, this was the wisest man, at least in the Old Testament, to ever live? Anybody hear that? Anybody remember reading in their Bible that Solomon was the wisest in the whole world? I think a lot of us remember that or something like that. And so I wanted to talk about Solomon, kind of the elephant in the room, because we know he asked God for wisdom, which we're told God will answer, and God did answer for Solomon. And so we know he was incredibly insightful and discerning and wise because of this God-given answer to the prayer. But we also know, even if we read the Bible casually, Solomon did some foolish things. You don't have to look hard. And the Bible itself names them and points to them. Like, for example, even if you don't know much about the Bible, can we all agree marrying 700 women is not wise? Can we agree to that? Marrying 700 women is not wise. He married 700 women. Not only was that foolish, it was against the commands of God. We go back to Deuteronomy 17, 17, long before Solomon comes onto the scene. And this is all about the king. The king, he shall not acquire many wives. You think 700 is many? Yeah, it is. It's a lot. (laughs) Didn't know all their names, I imagined. Uh, And the king, he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive, excessive silver and gold. And we'll see later that that prophecy came true for Solomon. His heart turned away from the Lord. So we've got this. And um, in fact, when the Bible kind of sums up Solomon's life at the end, it points to some of the foolishness, to some of the sinfulness of this individual. 1 Kings 11, he had 700 wives who were princesses. He had 300 concubines. And the wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart. 
after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father, David. So, yeah, time out. <laughs> Wait a second here. The Bible says, and it does, that Solomon had unparalleled wisdom, and then the Bible says Solomon had massive character flaws. The Bible says he did not deploy that wisdom in certain areas of his life. So we have both of those things. And a lot of times our questions about the, the scriptures or things that, that maybe even look contradictory in the Bible, if we will actually pay attention to the details that scripture gives us, uh, it kind of works out. And I think it does with this as well. So let's go back and look at the exact prayer the words of the prayer that Solomon prayed to God asking for wisdom. Here we go. Second Chronicles 1.10, he prayed to God, give me now wisdom and knowledge. Why? Wisdom and knowledge to, to go out and to come in before this people for who can govern this people of yours. So, God, give me wisdom to govern. In fact, I like the way the New Living translates it there. Give me wisdom and knowledge to lead them properly. So, did Solomon ask for wisdom? Yes, he did. Uh, he had a specific end in mind, and he said that to God, I need wisdom so that I can lead your people, so that I can be a good king, so that the nation can flourish during my rule. So he prayed, you could call it governance wisdom, leadership wisdom, political wisdom. I mean, I think any of those would work there. The biblical record is very clear on the ask, right, from Solomon. And so God was pleased. God granted him that wisdom and more. Uh, he became wealthy. Uh, he became successful and honored. Um, but here we go to the words of God himself in answering. Okay, he hears this, and then he answers this prayer from Solomon, Second Chronicles 1. You have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, like of these, uh, or the life of those who hate you. God, kill my enemies. You've not even asked for a long life. But you have you have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people. Okay? That's what you asked for, Solomon. That you may govern my people over whom I've made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted you. I will also give you riches, possessions, and honor, such as none of the kings who were before you and none who shall come after you. So we've got the ask, we've got the reply. Both concern this request. Make me wise so that I can govern well. And of course, God provides even more than that. And he did have remarkable political, diplomatic wisdom. Never in the history of the nation of Israel was it as large, as expansive, the borders as wide as it was in the kingdom of Solomon. Never before, never after. Never was the nation as prosperous. Never in the history of Israel was the economy as booming as it was during the reign of Solomon. His wisdom in governing caused the nation to flourish. Now, we don't follow Solomon totally. We want to be wise, but we don't follow him. We imitate Jesus, not an ancient 
king of Israel because Jesus, we saw last week, is, according to Scripture, Jesus is the wisdom of God. Solomon may have had unparalleled wisdom, but he did not have unlimited wisdom. Or at least, he chose not to deploy that wisdom in certain areas of his life. He is a good example. Solomon is of competency extrapolation. Don't worry, I will define that in a couple of minutes. Uh, The couple of times I've shared this uh, idea of competency extrapolation that I got from a book by John Dixon called Humilitas. The couple of times I've shared this, uh, people have written it down because it's really cool and we have all seen this play out in real time. Now let me, before I define it, let me give you an example of what it is and then I'll define it. Uh, Imagine there is an airplane flying at altitude, twin engine, and both of the engines fail and the pilot cannot restart the engines. By the way, have a Delta pilot at first service, have an American Airlines pilot at second service, so I pray this never happens to any of you who are pilots. But both engines fail. The pilot comes out of the cockpit holding three parachutes. Now, there are four people on board the plane, three passengers and the pilot, comes out holding three parachutes for the four people. The pilot says, well, I'm going to take one of these parachutes because after all, this is my plane and these are my parachutes. And everyone's like, that makes sense. So he puts it on, he jumps out of the plane. The next guy, there's a, a rocket scientist, there's a preacher, and there's a backpacker. The next guy, the rocket scientist, says, well, I need one of the parachutes because I have so much to offer uh, humanity. I already have made contributions to the sciences, and I think I have, I'm I'm on the verge of great discoveries still. And, And the other two say, well, that makes sense. So he straps on, and he jumps out of the plane. And then you're left with the preacher and the backpacker. The preacher says to the young lady with the the backpacker, he says to her, you know, um, I've lived a long life. I feel like God has used me, and I feel like I'm kind of in the twilight now of my ministry, of my life. But you are young. You have the road is set before you. You're going to do great things. You take the last parachute. She smiled at him, and she said, no need. The rocket scientist just jumped out with my backpack on. Okay. <laughs> this is an example of competency extrapolation. Just because you are brilliant... You are wise in one area doesn't mean that transfers over to everything else, right? So let's put that up, the definition here. We've got, okay, so expertise in one area of knowledge doesn't mean common sense in all areas. But here's the thing. A lot of times because someone is an expert at surgery or an expert at doing taxes, or an expert at throwing a football, or an expert, you name it, they assume they are an expert in all of these other areas. We need humility, having wisdom. A bedrock of that is humility and knowing your limits. And Solomon is certainly an example of having an incredible insight and discernment in one place does not mean you have it in all places places. The foolishness of God, 1 Corinthians 1, is wiser than the wisdom of man. The foolishness of God is wiser than anything we can come up with. And so we look to Jesus, the God-man, the wisdom incarnate, 
We look to him as our wisdom teacher without reservation, right? I can learn from nature. I can learn from books. I can learn from beauty and, and, and I can learn from, from the internet. But I can learn from Jesus without a filter, without reservation. I want it all. I want to be like you, Jesus. You are the wisdom of God. So this idea of competency extrapolation, it just means we need to have a little bit of humility. Hey, you may be great at this, but maybe you're not so great at that. You don't need to walk into the doctor's office and tell the doctor what medications you should be on and what sort of treatment you need. They are the expert, right? I don't walk into the mechanic and say, uh, no, it's not the carburetor, it's this other thing. I don't know anything about cars. You tell me what I need to do. Thank God for good mechanics. I have a very good one who happens to be a member of this church. Um, anyways, um, so that is important that we recognize where our wisdom and insight runs out. Um, we all know stories of this, of, the, of a professional athlete you know, a golfer who is, is, is a genius, is insightful, is discerning, has all of this experience, and they're able to translate that into putting the ball in the cup. Or the football player who's able to throw the ball, perfect spiral, touchdown after touchdown, make millions of dollars, but who their, their marriage is a mess, right? We all know examples of this. Or the politician, gifted political leaders who've been great leaders, and I'm not thinking of one. There are a lot of them who, who were great and gifted leaders who couldn't take care of their families. Competency extrapolation. Uh, it's not enough to have knowledge. If knowledge were enough, we would be living right now in paradise. Because never in history has mankind had as much knowledge, more importantly, access to knowledge on your phone, on your tablet. You can read any book. You can read any scientific study that's been published right now on your phone or on your mobile device. We have all of this knowledge, but wisdom is more than that. Like knowledge, <clears throat> I'm giving you an example. Knowledge is understanding how a gun works. Wisdom is knowing that you need to keep the gun holstered. Knowledge is, knowledge is, for you husbands, knowledge is when your wife says what. Knowledge is, is one thing. Wisdom is knowing when she says what, she's not wanting you to say it again because she doesn't, didn't hear it. She's wanting you to rethink what you just said, right? <laughs> Difference between knowledge and wisdom. We want to be wise in all areas of life. And so before we dial in on wisdom, I want to go back to that book. I've, I've quoted it a lot, Brett McCracken, The Wisdom Pyramid. Read that book. It's really good. But I want to dial in on what he says, what it looks like when wisdom is flourishing among us. One of the ways that we see it is we see discernment in a too much world. We live in a too much world, especially in terms of ideas and information. There was a philosopher a while back named Joseph Piper that said, the average person of our time, I love this, he says, the average person of our time loses the ability to see because there is so much to see. Or others have coined the term digital coma. 
So many notifications, so much to scroll through and see. We end up being numb to it. We can't discern, we can't filter. It doesn't help us have clarity in the world. And so the wise person today spends less time thumbing through social media and more time thumbing through the pages of their well-worn Bible. Discernment in a too-much-to-see world. The second way that we, see, we can observe wisdom is it is patience in a too-fast world. We live in, a, we live in a very fast world right now. Like, we want what we want, and we want it yesterday, you know? Oh, what's the answer to that question? Let me look it up. There it is. Boom. We want, we want it fast. And by the way, wisdom and velocity, <clears throat> they don't usually travel together. They don't usually travel together. Speed and wisdom don't go together. Instead of, and so rather than just piling up, hoarding more information and experiences and activities as fast as we can, the wise person downshifts. The wise person slows down. Hurry and hoarding are replaced by reflection and relishing. And then it looks like this. Humility in a too-focused-on-me world. There we get to humility. Wisdom is humility in a too-focused-on-me world. Because of our unprecedented access to information, many people see themselves as experts on a wise number of areas. I think we even saw this during the pandemic. I got to be careful with that one, but I think we saw some of that, where everybody became an expert, like a medical immunology expert, and we're posting about it and giving people advice and telling people off and like... I, but you're not. You're not an expert on that stuff. Uh, a wise person listens. Amen? A wise person listens. They listen to the waiter at the restaurant. What's good today? They listen to the Bible scholar. They listen to their doctor instead of walking in and saying, Hey, doctor, this is what I want you to do. They listen. They listen. A wise person has this humility to recognize, you know what? I'm an expert on virtually nothing. I need to hear what you have to say. Listen, that is a word to the wise right there. Listen. You know what? Jesus listened. We know Jesus listened. We're told in the Gospel of Mark that he would get away to spend time with God. He was always going, Mark says, to deserted places, lonely places, to be alone with God. He would listen to the Father. We know he listened to the Father because he was always quoting the Father's words. Always quoting the Scriptures in his teachings and preachings. And Jesus once was asked for his opinion from somebody, a very smart legal expert. What is the most important commandment in the Bible? You remember what Jesus said? He said in Matthew 22, he said, love God. Love God with all your heart. Love God with all your soul. Love God with all your noggin. Love God with all your mind. Love God completely. That is the number one commandment. And Jesus showed that love for God because he was listening to the Father. Always listening to the Father. Of course, Jesus went beyond that, didn't he? 
He was asked for the greatest commandment. He gave the greatest commandment. But then he said, I got to say more. Because there's another commandment. And all of Scripture, all of God's Word hangs on two commandments. Not just that one. So love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. As you love yourself. Love your neighbor that way. Let me ask you something. Can you love your neighbor without listening to your neighbor? I think love starts with hearing someone's story. I think love starts with paying attention to what's going on in their world. I think, and I shared this in the Telling the Story conference a couple of weeks ago, I think love means before I tell the story, I listen to their story. And that opens a doorway to share the gospel of Christ with people. And so Jesus says, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. All of it hangs on that. All of scripture hangs on that. And so not only will we show love for another person when we listen to them, we might actually learn something from someone else who has a different perspective. And so in an age, and we live in this age, where we are quick to tweet and text we are quick to post. We are, we are quick to proclaim and declare. Wise people slow down and listen. Do you remember what the brother of Jesus wrote in James chapter 1? James wrote, we are to be slow to speak and quick to... We live in a quick to speak, quick to post, quick to text age. We don't live in a quick-to-listen age. And as people who embody the wisdom of God, followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be good listeners, humble, patient, and loving, always learning, always learning until the day we move on to be with Jesus in glory. Let's pray about this. It's so important we need to talk to God about it. It's so important, Father, that we want to ask you for wisdom since you've promised us that you will grant it to us. So we come to you, Father, Son, Spirit. We acknowledge you as the source of all knowledge and wisdom. This is your world. You made it. Draw us close to you so that we can learn from you more than we learn from any other place. We want to learn from you, Father. Your word promises us if we prize wisdom, we, if we embrace wisdom, we will flourish. So give us a thirst for wisdom, not just in an area over here, not just good at doing taxes or finances or fixing cars, not just in one or two areas of expertise. Give us a comprehensive wisdom so that we can be more like you. Teach us. We want to prosper in our relationship with you and with the people that you have placed in our lives. Help us, Lord, to be a church family that loves you with all that we are, our mind, our soul, our strength, and help us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now this morning, maybe you are looking for a church home. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Everybody here who's a member at some point decided 
I want to be a member of this church, and we'd love to help you make that decision. It's a place that I believe you can flourish. It's a place you can belong, and that's important in this fast-moving world that we live in. Um, so ask us about that. We have PC 101 coming up next month, and we'd love to have you join us for that as we talk about what it means to be a part of this church family. Uh, maybe you want to cross that line of faith and be baptized in the name of Jesus. You can do that today, uniting your life with Jesus, having your sins washed away and the presence of his spirit living in your life. We would love to help you with that today. Or maybe you just need prayers and we are a praying church. Our elders are a praying group of shepherds. Um, we would invite you to connect with them, come down and pray with us or pray with somebody around you or turn that prayer request into the elders. Uh, you can drop that in the box out in the foyer and they will pray over that tomorrow night. However, you need to respond to God. Let's do that as we stand together now and worship his name. Holy Lord, most holy Lord, you alone are worthy of my praise. Oh, holy Lord, most holy Lord, with all my heart I sing, with my heart I sing, great are you, Lord, worthy of praise. great morning of worship. We want to invite everyone back six o'clock tonight for our Sunday evening worship. Uh, we have a series on parables that looks to be just great. Jacob Hawk will be leading us tonight. We have our sharing the word coming up. I just want to give a, uh, a note about that. Evans Ellison here is going to, to uh, read that for us in just a moment. It is sharing the word. The whole idea here is we want to challenge everyone to not just know these scriptures, but to share the scriptures with somebody else. This is something, quite honestly, I don't know that I've been very good at or comfortable with. So I tried it. Okay? I was at the dentist office, uh, and, and the, you know, just waiting, waiting there. In comes a lady on crutches. She's got a cast on her left leg, a cast on her right arm. And so I was just talking with her, asking her, you know, 
I felt sorry for her. She looked awful, awful uh, sore. Uh, and she told me about the car wreck that she had, including she, she had a mask on. She lowered the mask and lost her four front teeth, thus her, thus her time in the dentist office. And so in talking to her, I said, God loves you, and he sent his son for you. And then I said a prayer for her. So, and, and then she was taken away into the dentist's office, so we didn't get to talk much longer, and she thanked me. People will take the scripture, and they'll take a prayer. I don't know what impact that had on her, but, but I felt like modeling what Jesus did, sprinkling his conversations with scripture, and blessing people with prayer, is what we should be doing. So even though it was a little uncomfortable, it'll be a little more comfortable for me to do it the next time. So here's Evan reading this very famous passage for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, for whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And Jesus said, Amen. 